get a chance to watch that's by Eric Letty and Ellerslie uh, Ministries and always fills me with passion. I don't know if it fills you with passion. He's a very passionate man and man, I, yeah. And I love I love the passion that he has. I love the energy that he has. And I, I watch it and I'm reminded, I think, wow, oh, wouldn't it be great in the body of Christ today if we moved with passion? Passion drove us. But uh, there's a problem with passion. It requires power to drive it. Otherwise, it can be just a bunch of noise and emotion without the power to drive the passion. The power to drive the passion, the power to, to have that war cry. Simply that war cry is very simple. In English it is, be strong and of good courage. The power behind that war cry is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The power to be the reality what the Bible tells us a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. We've been working our way through the book of Acts. And you're welcome to open up to the book of Acts. We're going to work our way through it again. We've paused in chapter 10. and we, we're, We've done a three-week series now on just focused on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And last time we were together, we talked about the concept. What is required for me to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If that is a question that the Lord brings up in your heart, I invite you to pick up... The, the CD and be able to take a listen to what we talked about the last time we were together. Um, just grab one. And, and, uh, and that'll plug in. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, as far as I'm concerned, that initial baptism, that Im- initial immersion, that initial uh, coming upon of the Holy Spirit, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the Word very clearly and distinctly calls you and I, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, to be Filled with the Holy Spirit. The construction of the Greek there is to be being filled. Consistently, constantly looking for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we don't live in that filling. We have the concept that I give my life to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in. And some people teach us that that's all there is. And then we go through our life and we wonder why we live a powerless life. And why the reality of what we read in the pages of Scripture is not the reality of what we live. And the problem is, we're not walking in the power. We're saved. But the power to overcome, the power to be, the power to drive, we're missing. So let's, let's start. We're just going to go through some scriptures quickly and then we'll, we'll pause and reflect on those. But let's flip over to Luke. Hold your finger in Acts. We're coming right there. Acts chapter 1. But Luke 24, 49. That's where we're going to start our journey. Luke 24, 49. And we're going to look at the promise. We spoke a little bit in the video that standing at the Jordan River, spiritually the connection for you and I is to enter into the victorious Christian life. Now we know he's not talking about going into heaven when he crossed the Jordan River. You know why we know that? Because there's still battles. There's no battles in heaven. We get to heaven, the battle's over. So when we cross the Jordan, what are we looking at? We're looking at the victorious Christian life. Living the abundant life. If you hear Jesus and Jesus says to us, 
That he, will, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Look at the words of Jesus and the promises in Scripture of what he would do. And lay them out and put your life next to it. And tell me if they're the same thing. And if they're not, the difference very well may be a life perhaps with passion but without the power to drive the passion. Without the power to live what God has called us to. Jesus' own words. Luke 24, 49. Take a look at it. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you have been endowed with power from on high. I send the promise. I send the promise. Promise of the Father upon you. What was that promise? In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. In those two verses, you have three Greek prepositions that all describe, we talked about it last time, if you remember, that all describe the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Para, we all know, hopefully we all understand, nobody comes to faith in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit calling them. That's para, the Holy Spirit is with you, beside you, drawing you. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is in you. The Bible declares that you and I, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is inside of us. The second Greek preposition, the moment you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. But then Jesus told the disciples, you wait until you have been endowed with power. When the Holy Spirit does what? Comes upon. Epi. He comes upon you. Remember I gave you the picture of Epi. It's a, it's a pitcher of water. You put a hose in it and you turn the hose on. And that water, that energy, that power fills that pitcher and it keeps filling and it overflows. And it gets on the carpet and the table, drips off the table, it gets everything wet. Because the power of the Holy Spirit enables that pitcher to affect its environment. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. It gives us the power to affect our environment. To be a witness. That's a promise Words in red. Jesus said it, right? Well, just in case it's not enough of Jesus' words, go to Acts chapter 1, because we've got more in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, again, Jesus is speaking. He says, Being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That's that promise again from Luke. The promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what's he tell us the promise of the Holy Spirit is? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. What happens when we're, we're going to be baptized today? What happens when we baptize? We just get a little water on somebody? You can't just be a little baptized. You're either in or you're out. You can't just be a little bit baptized with the Holy Spirit. You are either immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit or you're not. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that the Word of God calls us to ask for. 
How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? But that baptism of the Holy Spirit, guys, that baptism is initial. That baptism occurs one time. And then the same exact thing occurs over and over again, but the Bible calls it being filled, filled up. The Holy Spirit coming upon you and filling you up. We're going to take a look at it in just a minute. So the baptism is initial. We pray, the Lord comes, he baptizes us, we feel the power of God equipping us to be witnesses, and we move forward. But we need it every single day. And some people are trying to run on the power of a baptism that occurred five, ten years ago, and still function today in the power and passion of Jesus Christ. And we wonder why the church doesn't look like it should. Do we got to run on the power of Jesus Christ, the power of his Holy Spirit today? Look at Acts 1.8. We looked at Acts 1.4. Just go down to verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has, what's the word? Come how? Upon, appeared. When the Holy Spirit has overflowed, when he's, that hose is in you and turned on. He said, you will have power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. What is the purpose? Is the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit to draw attention to me or anyone else? What is the purpose? To make me what? A witness. A witness. Jesus gave us one commission, didn't he? Now he's going to use a lot of gifts to to accomplish that one commission. But that one commission is, go into all the world, make disciples of all men. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That's the commission. The power for that to be a reality in my life, not just words in my mouth, but a reality that I live, that it looks like. I look like that. That power comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit endowing us with power, filling us with power to be His witness. So we see it happen just a few verses later. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and and, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all, what's that phrase? Filled. This is the initial though, right? Listen, here's the point I want to make. People trip over the vernacular of whether you're baptized once or you're baptized multiple times, the Bible doesn't trip over it. The Bible just calls it all the same thing. The first experience is the baptism. Every experience thereby is a filling. What happens in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You're filled. How are you filled? Just to the brim? No, that would be N. N is the Holy Spirit being in you. Epi, upon, means the Holy Spirit is flowing through you to the extent that it comes out of you and affects your environment. So when he talks about this, he says, The rushing wind, tongues of fire came upon them. They were filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The people flocked to them on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because they were speaking in tongues? No. The people flocked because the rushing mighty wind. Were you guys here last night? I got a a message on Facebook. Where's Amanda at? She's here. She's probably with the kids. Amanda, no, she's right there. She sent me a text. Hey, did you see that desk fly by your house? 
I want you to know I did get that. I saw it. And yes, the desk was still tumbling across the front yard. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a mighty rushing wind. It's super loud. People came. What was that? What was that? They come running down the street there. 120 people speaking in tongues. Everybody hearing them in their own language. And then the Holy Spirit empowers Peter and he gives the gift of prophecy. And Peter speaks the word of God plainly so everyone could understand. And he gives an incredible message in Acts chapter 2. We see the end of that. I didn't want that standing there anyway. You see, the end, <laughs> you know, all them things get in my way. You guys notice that? They, anyways, uh, I hope I didn't break the mic. Anyhow, verse 38, look at verse 30, Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, then Peter said to them, the people say, what should we do? We, they hear this incredible message. What shall we do? Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So, so far it's been called the promise, the baptism, the filling, and the gift. Synonymous terms. Synonymous terms. They're the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And look what he says in verse 39. For the promise is to you and your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I grew up in a church that said that that kind of stuff didn't happen anymore. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower people like that anymore. He just empowered the apostles. You ever heard that before? What do you do at verse 39? The promise is for you and your children, all those who are far off. And then, just in case that's confusing to you, as many as the Lord our God will call. By the way, every saved person on the face of the earth, past, present, and future are the called of God. So he says the promise is for us. The promise is for them. And then look at Acts chapter 4, verse 8. We just turn. We've been through all these. We're just kind of re rehearsing where we've been. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. What's it say? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. So what happens in Acts chapter 4? Peter is needing to give witness to the very same people who crucified Jesus. And as he gets ready to share, you remember what Jesus said? When you come before rulers of the synagogue, when they bring you up, don't worry about what you're going to say, because the Holy Spirit will what? Give you utterance when it's time. And the Holy Spirit will give you the words. What well, happens in chapter 4? The Holy Spirit fills him again and spills out of him with the words from the Word of God, the right word at the right time to bear witness to what God was doing in Acts chapter 4. Now that's just a few days after Acts chapter 2, when the baptism happened. Then we see him filled again in Acts chapter 4 verse 8. Look at Acts chapter 4 verse 31. Now, now we see them all gathered together in prayer. They're all gathered together in prayer. And the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. In answer to their prayer. So that's in the same chapter. Twice he's filled twice how many times do we need to be filled as many times as it takes as many opportunities as you have to bear witness to what god's doing in your life you need to be being filled with the holy spirit over and over again acts chapter 8 we have the great revival in in among the samaritans you remember 
And when the Samaritans got saved, when they received the word of God, what did they do? They sent Peter and John to them. And when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. But Jackie, I thought you said when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you. Yes, he does. We'll read the next section in verse 16. He clarifies what he's talking about in verse 15. For as yet he had fallen, what's the word? Upon any of them. The api, he had not in power come upon them. So Peter and John come down, they lay hands on them. They're saved, the Holy Spirit is in them. But the power to be who they need to be, they haven't received yet. So they pray. And they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they begin to bear witness there in, 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 in Samaria of all the things that God is doing. A revival continues and the church continues to grow. One of the greatest enemies of the church, a guy named Saul. Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Saul's already seen the vision of God. God showed himself to Saul and he was blinded. He puts his faith and trust in the Lord God whom he, whom he met on the road to Damascus, he finds himself blind, fasting, and praying. And Ananias comes to him. Look at verse 17. Uh, Acts nine seventeen. Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what's he say? Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight and arose and was baptized. So Saul, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon him in power. He goes forward. Immediately, two verses later, he's preaching. The guy who came to arrest people in the church is now preaching in the street. Why? Because he's got the power to back up his passion. And it's not just words It's a reality. And if he took his life and he laid it up next to what Jesus said a believer would look like, he would say, yeah, I'm experiencing what Jesus said I would, abundant life. I'm experiencing an unquenchable spirit because I just want to continue to go and do. Paul would say, I am happy to spend and be spent for the Lord. Us? That's radical. That's not just words. That's how he lived his life. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Peter, standing before Cornelius and the Gentiles, says, while Peter was still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit did what? Fell upon them. Epi. God did this, I told you guys last time, God did this just so you wouldn't put them in a box. No altar call. No prayer of salvation, nothing. While Peter's preaching, they believe in their heart, which is all that's required. They believe in their heart. Immediately, the Holy Spirit overwhelms them, and they initially begin to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is with them. It says, Those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. It messed with their theology. Gentiles can't be saved. Well, just in case you think somehow that was a different experience than what everyone else had been experiencing up to this point, you just look in chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 15 through 18. Peter's telling the story of what just took place. He says, And as I began to speak, 
So he ain't got very far in his message, just so you know. The Holy Spirit fell, what's the word? Upon, a P in power. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Just like the day of Pentecost. Just like Acts chapter 4. Just like Acts chapter 8. Just like Acts chapter 9. Just like Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 11. And as long as you come and we're working our way through the book of Acts, it'll be just like it was in Acts chapter 12 and Acts chapter 13 and on and on and on it goes. It never changes. I grew up in a church where what I saw did not match what I heard. Now I don't mean that they, people were hypocritical. I did not see the power of God in the lives of people. Now, I'm not, that doesn't mean I didn't see crazy things happen and people do stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I didn't see power. When I was 17 years old, my father, who was an assistant pastor at the time, ran away with his secretary, left my mom, and bailed. And I was mad at God, and I said, God, your word says that we have power to be your witnesses, to make right decisions and do right things. But you don't even have the power to hold my dad. So for 13 years, if God was on the left side, I went to the right side. Hard as I could run. I couldn't get any further from the Lord unless I had died and went to hell. I was as far away as I could possibly be. Because what I saw did not match the reality of what God's word teaches. Now I am an old man. And I look at my children. And my heart breaks. Because I think, did I model for them? Did I model for them the power of God? So that they would know that the words I speak are real. Did I show them that? Not did I tell them that. Of course they'd heard that before. Did they see it? Did they see it in our lives? The kids that are beside you, the kids that are in Sunday school, the kids that are, that are around you, do they see or do they just hear the words and they think that's what it's all about? Folks, that's not what it's all about. There is power. There is an abundant life. All those things are here. But we talked about what was required to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what hinders it. Probably for the most of us, we have at one time or another prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Lord promises if we ask, He gives. What hinders? What hinders the Holy Spirit from moving in power in my life? You, you know I can write you a check, right? And I can hand it to you. But you don't cash that check. Nothing changes. We have to apprehend, lay hold of the promise that God has given. So what holds us back? What holds us back? You know, when I think about it, one of the first things that jumps out of me is a little scrawny kid. Super skinny little bitty guy. He was born, and God told his parents when he was born, they said, never let this guy ever drink any grape juice or any product of grapes. Never allow him to touch any dead thing. Do you know who it is? 
and never let him cut his hair. And Samson was filled from the womb with the power of God. Wasn't he? Now, how do I know he was skinny? If he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, nobody would have said, Samson, how is it that you can do all these things? They'd say, man, you're big. Look at those muscles. Look at the flesh on you. Wow. But they looked at Samson and said, how in the world are you doing this? That's how God works. God works. God gives power where he gives the glory, not where somebody else does. He wouldn't put it in a muscle head. It's possible he could have been a big old dough boy like me. And then maybe people said, oh, you're too fat to do stuff like that. Samson, how do you do that? But I'll go with skinny. Samson is moving in the power of God. The power of God is equipping him to do all this stuff. Judges chapter 16 tells you the story. And little by little, he starts to neglect his separation unto God. Do you neglect your separation unto God? When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, I put my trust in him. To put my trust and my faith in him means where he goes, I go. Where he leads, I will follow. I will pick up my cross and follow him. Otherwise, your faith is somewhere else. Right? If my faith is in Jesus Christ, then it's all about him. If my faith is in a little bit of faith in Jesus Christ and a, and a little bit of faith in my works, then my faith is really not in Jesus, it's in me. <clears throat> my faith is in Jesus, I'm separated unto him. I'm following him. I'm going his direction. But Samson began to neglect his separation. And he started getting drunk, drinking wine. Then he started touching dead things. He made a lot of dead things. And then he would go back and play with them after they were dead. That is, touching dead things. Let me ask you a question. If you went out and found roadkill, and then you went back and would you open up the roadkill to see what was in it? He, he kills a lion. Several days later, he goes back just to check out the lion again. I don't know. That's kind of cool to kill a lion. I, what's he do? There's bees flying into that lion. So wh- he opens up the mouth, what, sticks his head in? Looks around. Oh, yeah, there's a honeycomb in here. In a dead lion, rotting and stinking. He reaches in and grabs some of the honey. When's the last time you ate honey out of roadkill? I don't know. Touched dead things. And then he was so, so drawn to Delilah. Delilah, guys, in the scripture is a picture of the world. And the world will take many of us and coddle us and, and pet our heads and tell us, oh, I'm going to give you everything you need. Everything you really want is just to be found in me and whisper all those sweet nothings to you that they want to do. And Samson would lay there in Delilah's lab and Delilah would say, Samson, what's the secret of your strength? And he would say, take baking soda and pour it all over me and I won't have any strength anymore. That's not what's in there, huh? It really same thing though, isn't it? Well, loom my hair into a to a, a loom. That's strange. Or just tie me up with new ropes. Or what, like four times she does what he said would make him weak, and he's still laying in her lap. Jesus said a sower went out to sow and he sowed seeds out in the field. And one of the areas that he sowed seeds, weeds sprang out and choked out the fruitfulness of the seed. You remember the story? 
You remember what the weed was? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. He's laying in the lap of the world saying, oh, I don't need to be separated to God. I got everything I want in Delilah. And so he says, cut my hair and I'll be weak. And she cut his hair. He woke up, saddest verse in the Bible, and didn't know that the power had left. We are called by God. We are called to be set apart to him sanctified to him following him he's our focus if listen if your focus is the world delilah and playing with her do not expect the power of god to work in your life you will not have it because you are not staying consecrated to the lord we either are all in for him or you're not in at all all in or not in not part So if people will lose their separation to God, they will see the power of the Holy Spirit gone from their life. Still, I'm not saying it won't be saved. You just have no power. You look just like the world looks. You're miserable, unhappy. Joy is not in your life. You don't seem to have the ability to make good decisions or do the right things that God's calling you to do. Why? Because you have lost your separation unto God. Second thing, if we, if we are practicing sin, if we are practicing sin, Acts 5.32 tells us, and we are witnesses of these things, so also is the Holy Spirit of God who is given to him who obeys. We want the power of God working in our life. I cannot be practicing sin. Does everybody know what I mean by practicing sin? Because I, sometimes I just beat on a drum and I don't want to just continue to beat on a drum if everybody understands what I'm talking about. If you are doing something that you absolutely know is spoken of in the Word of God not to do, and you're doing it still, do not expect the power of God to work in your life. You will not have it. It will not be there. Because you are practicing sin. I didn't say you messed up and sinned. I said you are practicing sin. You are saying it's okay to stay in this sinful state But God has called us to flee sinful states. Example, David. Remember David? Turn your Bibles to Psalm 32. We're going to look at Psalm 32. I got like 12 pages left in in seven minutes. You're never going to make it. So, as we, as we, sorry guys. We look at David and we come to this Psalm, Psalm 32. David was, was, God's man. When he was a child, he ran at Goliath. Does that not blow your mind? Goliath, the biggest man he'd ever seen in his life, with the biggest spear he'd ever seen, and armor and all this stuff, who had made a life out of killing people. And David challenges him. Nobody else wants to fight him. David said, my God's bigger than this guy. I'll fight him. He tries to put on armor. He can't. It's dumb. He says, I don't need this armor. I'm just going to go in the power of the Lord. Oh, the power of the Lord, right? The same kind of power we're talking about. Who came upon David? He was anointed with oil. And what's the Bible say? Holy Spirit came upon him. He became God's champion. God's man for the moment. So Goliath stands up. He yells at David and calls him. What am I, a dog? They send a little kid out here to do a man's job. And David reaches over, or Goliath reaches over and grabs his spear and stands up. And the moment he stands up, David says, it's on. 
and he runs at him. He runs at him. He grabs, he's got a sling and a stone in his little shorts. You guys seen what they wear, right? In the, in the Bible movies, in little shorts all the time. I don't know why, but it's hot there, I guess. So he, there, it's not cool, but it's what he had. He's running with little shorts. He's running at David, just growling at him. Goliath is probably chuckling until David put the stone in the sling and went, whack. He's done. Next thing you know, you get this little kid, 16-year-old, chopping the head off of Goliath, lifting it up and saying, God did this. That's awesome. But then he had this thing. Remember the thing, the Bathsheba? Bathsheba. You know he killed one of his mighty men for Bathsheba? Uriah the Hittite is one of his mighty men. He was in the cave of Abdullam with him from the beginning. He killed his friend for his wife. And then he hid it. And that's what Psalm 32 is about. Read it. Verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom God or the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. When he was living in sin, he had no power. The guy who slew Goliath had no power. The man after God's own heart had no power. Until what happened? Until he confessed. Look at verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my sin. And we make all the excuses in the world why we have to stay in a sinful situation. But none are valid. You want the power of God working in your life. Get out of sin. Confess it to the Lord and receive the power necessary to be his witness. We see power lost through self-indulgence. We are the most selfish society on the face of the earth. We are selfish people. Even the least selfish of us is selfish. Self-indulgent. What does the Bible tell us about the flesh, guys? Galatians 5.17 says, The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So, what's that mean? That means the gratification of the flesh and the fullness of the spirit cannot coexist. Do you hear me? The gratification of the flesh and the fullness of the Spirit cannot coexist. It's one or the other. If you are gratifying your flesh, living for your flesh, being self-indulgent, you won't have any power. Think about the United States. We really don't hear that often about power moving through the church and doing, doing crazy. Sometimes we do, but... But not so much. But have you ever heard missionaries tell stories about being out in the jungle and seeing the power of God move in incredible ways? People healed and miracles that you wouldn't even begin to imagine taking place? What's the difference? What, God's only in the jungle? The power of God's not available in the big city? 
The difference is luxury came in and the power of God went out. We don't need them now. We got all the stuff we need. And my stuff is robbing me of the power of God. Because I'll just fix it myself. I'll just take care of myself. I will just focus on self. I will just self-indulge. What's it? What do we? What's a bumper sticker? Come on, you guys seen it, right? He who dies, what? With the most toys, wins. Yeah, that is a bumper sticker that shouts self-indulgence. Rich young ruler came to Jesus. He came to Jesus and said, "What must I do to inherit salvation, Lord? What do I got to do?" Well, you know what's been said. Keep the law. He said, I've done that since my youth. What do I lack? Jesus said, go take all your worldly possessions, sell them, give the money to the poor, and you come follow me. And the rich young ruler went away. Sad. Holding on to his stuff. And lacking the power that was necessary to transform his life. There's nothing in my life I won't let go of for Jesus Christ. Nothing. Not one thing. He wants it all. He can have it all. Every bit. If we are self-indulgent, we will not see the power of God working in our life. Any more than if we're greedy for money. What if you're greedy for money? If there's a way to define our culture better than greedy for money, you tell me what it is. We wonder why we don't see in, in the church, in the states, the power of God moving and working through the church. So we live in a, in, in a society greedy for money. The church sometimes greedy for money. The Bible tells in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the things he possesses. One's life does not consist in his toys. He who dies with the most toys is still dead. And his toys belong to someone else now. Greed of money. Greed for money. How many times? I can't tell you how many times I have seen this happen. A church, man, I, I honestly, on my knees, praying to God that God would spare us from this. As, as, a, as a church begins to grow and the church begins to get more money and the church begins to get more powerful, they become self-indulgent and they spend that money on self and they focus inwardly and they don't reach out and they're not going out on the missions and they're not doing things out there in the world and the next thing you know, the power is out of the church. It's gone. I've seen it happen. have the power of God moving and working in us, then we've got to be men and women who are seeking Him above all other things. It don't matter what's in the bank account or what's not in the bank account. None of that makes any difference. All that matters, all that matters is what's God doing, where's God moving, and how do I get there? How do I plug in? How do I be a part of the power of God that is moving and working? That's who... And what we want to be. 
Always about him, his kingdom, and making disciples. Anything else, a waste of time. So we want to keep that focus. We want to hold that focus and not let greed of money or, or self-indulgence rob us of power. The Bible tells us power is always also lost through pride. Pride. 1 Peter 5.5 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. I like that. <clears throat> Except for the people who are older than me. I like that. What else does the scripture tell us? It says, and all of you be submissive to one another. Oops. You remember our Greek lesson, right? All means all, and that's all that all means. All of you be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you ever want to be in a category that God resists? I don't think that's a good place to be. You think there's power there? I don't think there's any power there. You want to experience the power of God moving and working in your life, you must be humble. You want to test your humility? Allow someone to treat you like a servant and see what comes up out of you. Or do something and nobody give you thanks for it. Man. See if I ever do that for them. Load down. No, they even say thanks. Humility. Humility. Not pride. Humility is where the power of God exists. Jesus had this discussion with the disciples all the time, didn't he? Guys, guys, guys. If you want to be great, you must learn to be what? Servant of all. You got to lay aside all that desire for greatness and climb in the, the ladder of success in the church. I don't even know what the ladder of success is in the church. Well, if I climb the ladder of success, I one day will be the pastor. Hey, brother, I'll hook you up right now. Man, the ladder of success, I, I, I live my life to please the Lord Jesus Christ and that's it. Walk in humility and you will experience the power of God working in your life. Next, power is lost through the ne neglect of prayer and fasting. Can you believe I just said that? Prayer and fasting, what are you talking about? Fasting, that's Old Testament nonsense. Yeah, I used to think that way. Used to think that way. Ah, Jesus said we don't need to fast. We got the bridegrooms with us. Well, last I checked, he's not here. I mean, he's present, but he's not here. I, he said, when he leaves, his people would fast. Did you know that? Jesus said when he went away, his people would fast. Well, let's take a look at the concept. If we neglect prayer and fasting, look what it says in Luke 18.1. He spoke a parable to the people and said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Ever felt like you lost heart? I've heard people say, I prayed about that before, and God didn't answer it. I'm not praying no more. Well, let me tell you how that works. You will not ever have power in your life. Ever. Lack of power. Luke 21, 34 through 36, he said, But take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and the day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. So watch, therefore... And pray always. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Why? Because in prayer, you connect 
to God. In prayer, you connect to God. But I didn't get what I asked for. Oh, that takes us back to self-indulgence. What are you asking for, yourself? You don't get anything. That's how that works. The Bible says if we, we have not for two reasons. What are they? Because you ask not or you ask amiss to spend it on yourself. I read a story one time of a guy who went to pray for somebody who was in need of healing. And he went and before he prayed for the guy, he said, why do you want healed? Just so it stops hurting? Just so you can live out the rest of your life? What is the point? What is the purpose of your healing? That made me think. How many of the things that we pray about are all about us and not about him? Those are hard things to hear. And, and it doesn't make us happy to hear things like that. Every one of us have prayed for somebody that the Lord took. Every one of us. You have not because you ask not, or you have not because you ask amiss. That's not what God's doing. But just so you know, I will never, ever, ever stop asking. Ever. Because he told me to. Jesus said, you beat on the door of that judge. That, remember the story told about the woman? Pestered and pestered and pestered and pestered. Finally, the judge said, for crying out loud, let her son out of jail. I don't even want to see him again. And Jesus said, right after that story, listen, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will I find faith like that? What's he talking about? The woman wouldn't stop asking, wouldn't stop seeking, wouldn't stop reaching out and trying to connect with the judge. And the judge was a dirty, rotten, no good sinner. Why won't we have that same attitude reaching out to God? The disciples, when they prayed before the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, how many days did they pray? Ten days. A ten-day prayer meeting. I can empty the church right now by announcing we're having a prayer meeting. (laughs) Those things ought not to be. We want the power of God. We must be men and women of prayer. And I believe we have lost the art or the discipline of the fast. I want, I want you guys, I'm going to close out. Sorry, I know it's late, but it's not too late. It's okay. Matthew 17. I want, I just, as we talk about uh, the concept of fast, I just want you to, to hear what Jesus said in Matthew 17. Matthew 17 is the transfiguration. They see Jesus in glory. And when they see him, listen, it says, they come down the mountain after the transfiguration. Jesus says, don't tell anybody about what you saw. And there's a multitude of people waiting for him when they come down. It says, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic. He suffers severely and he often falls in the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. So Jesus answered and said to them, O faithless and perverse generation. Wow. Listen to what that means. Faithless, you are disconnected from God. Perverse, you are connected to the world. Faithless, you are disconnected from God. 
perverse, you are connected to the world. Shouldn't expect power. How long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured that very hour. Well, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. So when Jesus said, you faithless and perverse generation, he's talking to his disciples. You are disconnected from God and you are connected to the world. You don't have power in your life. And then he said, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Is that how your life feels? Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. How many of you think he's talking about the demon? The subject of the, in context of that section of scripture is the unbelief of the disciples. That the unbelief, the connection to the world and the disconnect from God only comes out in prayer and fasting. Most incredible experience I have had in my life with God was a 21-day fast me and my wife did. Most amazing thing ever. I don't want to stop. I've been, I think I've been off it now for 21, I've been off a fast for 21 days. I'm ready to do it again because the connect with God and the disconnect from the world is everything to open your eyes to the power of God to work in your life. How do we get that unbelief out? By prayer and fasting. Prayer connects me to God. Fasting disconnects me from the world. And that is everything. But we neglect it. We don't do it. To my shame, that's the first fast I did. I did like one day fast. Um, I don't want to sound bad nor arrogant. That's not my goal. But a one day fast does not count. You want to fast, you fast long enough to where you get to the point where you just cannot wing it on your flesh. You get out there. Trust me, about about day 14, God is revealing some intense things in your life. You don't believe me? Ask some of the guys who have done the fast with me. They'll all tell you, everyone, to a man. That's exactly what God does. So we want to disconnect from the world and connect to God. That happens in prayer and fasting. The last thing, power is withheld when we neglect the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we neglect his word. We neglect his word. If you went without eating, as long as you go without reading God's word, some of you would not have a problem with your weight anymore would all be gone. Why? Because that's our diet. That's our spiritual diet. We got to be in the word, reading the word, if you want the power of God to work in your life. Do you want it? Do you want the power behind the passion to really experience the things that God promises in his word? Because I am telling you, that's not dispensational and it has not passed away and the power of God exists today to work in the church today. And if we will get off 
our nonsense and get on the program with the Lord and be fully in, completely into the Lord, disconnect from the world and connect to Him, you will see that power in your life. Disconnect from the sin that you're allowing yourself to walk in. Disconnect from those things that you know are disobedient to what God has called you to do. And watch the power of God come. Watch the power of God move. That's the difference between what we've gone over in the book of Acts 1 through 10 and our reality. The power is still there. It's still available. It's still there to change everything. Listen. uh, The world is sick and tired of looking at a church fight with each other. There are certain things that are important to fight over. But I don't know. I think what the world really is looking for is people who are going to be real. Not, I don't mean real by I'm going to just wallow in my sin and say I can't do anything about this. What I mean by real is that the, the words that they speak is the reality of the life they live. Jesus said they will know you are my disciples by the way you love each other. How have you loved a brother or sister that you're sitting by or that you're around today this week? How have you loved them? Have you loved them in such a way that the people outside see that and go, man, i got to be a part of that because that is amazing to see the power of God moving and working in people's lives the way they love each other. And I don't want, I don't want you to be thinking, please tell me, nobody here is thinking right now, you know, nobody has loved me like that. Uh, let's go back to self-indulgent. It's not about whether or not somebody's loved you. I said, have you loved someone like that? Have you? The law of sowing and reaping. You guys know it, right? Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you haven't been loved, that usually is indicative that you're not sowing love. Sow love, reap love. Sow discontentment. Reap discontentment. Sow anger, reap anger. Sow the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. Reap the fruit and the power of the Spirit. I want the body here to love each other that way. How's that occur? Because my will, I will to love. No, listen, that occurs really simple. That occurs because Romans 5 tells us the love of God is poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. We got to have Him. We got to have the power. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Why don't you stand with me? Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come before you and we lift up this time. God, we pray that you would be glorified and magnified as we seek your face, God. We desire to see you move in our midst. We desire to see the experience of what the Word of God teaches and what we have in our life be the same thing. God, we pray that you would move on our behalf. Lord, if there's anybody here today who believes any of the things that we talked about is hindering the power of the Holy Spirit from working in their life, that they would just lay it down. Repent. Change and be empowered by the Spirit of God to move. God, when we disconnect from our natural man, we awaken the spiritual man. And we want our spiritual man awake.
We want him loving. We want him serving. We want him working and bringing glory to Jesus Christ. And for that to happen, we got to make some changes. Lord, I pray that in the hearts of men and women in this place, our desire would be, man, we've got to get right and walk in power and have our passion empowered by the power of God. Lord God, we pray that you would move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have uh, some prayer counselors available. If there's anybody here today that would like that power of God we've been talking about, I invite you to come up and talk to one of the prayer counselors. Get prayer. We'll have baptisms right after we close in the word of worship. God bless you guys. Go in peace.